0: Welcome to the Steady On Podcast, where God's hard truth meets your hard story. I'm Angie Bauman, and this is episode 102, Donkey Sanctuary. And along with me today is New York Times bestselling author, Susie Flory. Susie is the author or co-author of 16 books. She is the director of the West Coast Christian Writers Conference, and her book, Unbreakable Boy, has been adapted for screen with a cast, including Patricia Heaton and Zachary Levi. Those awards and achievements, though, don't begin to paint a full picture of Susie's career, nor do they paint a full picture of her heart. As I've spent a little bit of time with Susie over the past couple of years, what I've come to cherish about her is her desire to teach and to give and to serve. So it is my privilege to share Susie with you today as we talk about her latest project, Sanctuary. It's a story that takes us to Ireland, teaches us spiritual truths through donkeys, and reminds us that We all need a place to be seen and known. My verse for this episode is Exodus 25, eight in it is the reason for sanctuary. Hear it from the NASB, have them construct a sanctuary for me so that I may dwell among them, a sanctuary, a place set apart, a place that is safe. That's what the Lord dwelling among us provides us. And that's what the Lord dwelling inside us makes it possible for us to be to others. I know you are going to love and appreciate Susie the way I do. Get ready to be inspired. Let's listen in. Hello, Steady On community, and welcome into this podcast episode. I'm Angie Bauman, and with me today is Susie Flory. Susie, welcome to the Steady On community. Thanks. So glad to be here, Angie. Uh, we are going to be talking about Susie's new project, which is called Sanctuary. And I heard you say, I think on a different interview, and I think you just mentioned it before I pressed record, and that is that this has been a project about four years in the making. Do I have that right? That's right. Uh, I got an, a random email from my website in 2018, and that's how this all started. And so with all the work that you've done, and the awards that you've won and the different accolades, the different projects you've invested in, I would think that you probably have a lot of either random emails or offers, extensions of partnering with someone. And so before we even kind of get started into the questions I want to dive into, I want to ask you why this project? What did it stir in you that you thought, yes, this is a place I want to spend this next, you know, few months, years of my life? I guess The
1: quickest answer to that is I've been writing for a while now, almost 20 years. And so I've found kind of my lane, you know, that's kind of a cliche, but it is something that you look for as a writer. You start out kind of thinking, I want to write a children's book. I want to write a romance. I want to write a self-help book, you know, all these things. And as you get along, you kind of start to understand where you fit in and where your passions really lie because you have to fall in love with the project to um, let let that love carry you through years of work. And so that's just kind of what happened here. I fell in love with it because I love animals. I believe animals have healing power that God has given them. Uh, I love Ireland uh, for many reasons. And, uh, this story
0: just touched my heart from that very first email. So talk to us just a little bit about Patrick in, in the book, if you will give us just a little bit of background of who Patrick is. Um, he has experienced PTSD. What's just a little bit of the backstory of this story you've crafted. Yeah, so I, you know, when
1: I receive an email like this that I'm interested in, I immediately go research, Uh, you know, I have a journalistic background. And so I dive right in and try to find out who it is and as much about them as I could. And what I found out just from that very first moment is that um, Patrick which his name kind of cracked me up. I almost thought Patrick from Ireland. Are you kidding me? <laughs> this is not a real email. Um, but he like- is, I know, he is. Patrick he owes is something. Truly named for St. Patrick. Exactly. <laughs> and he's named for St. Patrick. I just thought it was hilarious. Um, his father um Inherited a piece of property in a very small village in the south of Ireland, and it's very rural. It's just these rolling, beautiful green hills, castles, stone walls, sheep, everything you know that you see in in a movie about Ireland. That's what this place is like. And so Patrick grew up on this property, and his father started a donkey sanctuary. Um, Ireland has many donkeys. They were used for work, uh, years and years ago. And, um, as that work was taken over by tractors, these donkeys just became pets. And the problem with donkeys is they're like parrots. They live a long life. And so people would, you know, get, they would age out of caring for these donkeys and just leave them by the side of the road, or they'd be abandoned in fields, uh, sick, you know, um, starving. And so the Barrett family began to take in these donkeys and bring them home and take care of them. And Patrick grew up in this atmosphere of rescuing, uh, these, you know, desperate
0: animals. And so how did that turn into something more personal for Patrick?
1: So Patrick, um, became, or maybe just was like one of these sort of desperate, you know, donkeys. He uh, has PT, I mean, sorry, he has um, ADD and uh, is dyslexic. And so school was really tough for him. And the Irish model of education involves a lot of memory work. And so he would just mess up on that. He couldn't read well. He couldn't memorize. He always felt like he didn't belong. And the teachers uh, sometimes would embarrass him and even beat him when he couldn't perform well. So he just grew up uh, feeling like an oddball, feeling like he didn't fit. And the donkeys became his best friends. And his first best friend was a donkey named Aaron that was rescued from the Aaron Islands. That's A R A N. And he could feel what the donkey felt, and the donkey could feel what he felt. And they just had this deep bond of friendship beyond words. That was really beautiful. That sustained him, uh, as a child.
0: And what did it teach you like learning that about Patrick and his connection with the donkeys? Was it any, was there anything that it taught you about trauma or PTSD or, uh, where, where did you kind of go with that? Or where did you learn? What did you learn?
1: Yeah. So I was raised with horses myself. My dad was a Texas cowboy. And I started riding probably at the age of five or six, something like that. Um, I was on the back of a horse, uh, you know, from the earliest time I can remember, really. And this story really resonated with me because horses, I found over the years, um, like donkeys, can, we call it read your mind, but there's a deep um, connection there as they accept you into their herd. And they take care of you. They care about you. And they're extremely sensitive down to the point where you feel like when you're on the back of a horse that it knows what you want to do and you don't have to do anything. I mean, it can sense all of your emotions. And so that really you know, resonated with me. And then um, I worked at, for a while, volunteered at an equine uh, therapy center where children with different kinds of disabilities came worked with the horses. And I was really skeptical at first. I kind of have a journalist skepticism, but I saw these children transform children who couldn't talk would talk to their horses as they were, you know, taking care of them. And so um, I learned from Patrick that donkeys had the same ability, maybe even stronger and that he found healing uh, from PTSD coming back from the war zone. He had to um, go over to several places that were, you know, there was ethnic cleansing going on, things like that. Kosovo and Beirut uh, came back into the donkey sanctuary after a series of events and felt the bond, felt the healing power. The donkeys took care of him. Uh, and it was just something, you know, that kind of brought me back to my childhood and my friendships with horses
0: yeah I love I love the title of the book sanctuary and I think because I'm, I'm a local church pastor and have been for uh, 18 years and over the time that I have served local churches the my my understanding of what my job is has changed when I was a younger pastor I thought my job was to like have a profound word, you know, uh, and I needed to impress people with my teaching and all that. And the Lord has really helped me open my heart or open my heart to like, wow, it's really important that I handle the scripture carefully and prepare a message that is strong. And it's important that I take care of uh, a flow of worship, you know, and those kind of things. But the most important thing that I can do for any congregation I serve is to create a safe space. To create mm. a space where they can come in and feel like they do belong, what you're saying, you know, what that they belong, that they are emotionally safe there, because that is where the Holy Spirit can do work, right? That is where the Holy Spirit can call them, convict them, encourage them, renew them, you know, all of those things. But if we don't create a safe space, then so much work doesn't get done. And so as I listen to you talk about his relationship and what they're doing in the name of the book and all that, I just feel, I feel his pain. And I feel this place where he can bring his pain and it's not too much. And it's safe to be exactly who he is. And I think that's just beautiful.
1: I love that. All of us need a place to belong. Yes. And I think that's what church can give us, our faith community. It's what a herd of donkeys can give someone.
0: Yeah. And So I know in in the book that Patrick says that his parents started the donkey sanctuary to save lost donkeys, which you talked about that problem in Ireland where they were, but that it did end up saving him too. And I wondered, can you share with us just a little bit of that process? How, how, how long was it before Patrick was in a place of greater peace? And what are some of the things maybe that happened that really kind of moved him forward in healing?
1: Yeah, when he came back uh, from the army, he served, I want to say five or six years, if I'm remembering right. Uh, He didn't know what was wrong with him. There was no uh, label, you know, no diagnosis given him. He just knew he was in trouble. And he, uh, there were several years where he was just lost. And PTSD was definitely the problem. Um, he found that out later, and he's now kind of full circle. He's a, a counselor wow. um, for people who come back from um, from the military with PTSD. Um, so he didn't he didn't know what to do, and so he self medicated. You know he he just was a lost soul. And through a series of events, you can read about the book. I do yes. want to, you know, no spoilers, right? Yeah, I yeah, can't go into too much. But um, he found himself at the top of the donkey sanctuary. There's, um, it's a hill at the top with a 360 degree view, and there's pastures and donkeys all around. There's a rock up there that was part of a ruined watchtower, a stone watchtower, an ancient one. And he was up at that rock and he was praying and just asking God for help. So I really feel like reaching out, you know, in a place where he felt safe in a sanctuary, he reached out to God and asked for help and God sent that help. And it was not only through the donkeys. There was an Irish nun named Marie who spoke into his life. Uh, His family came alongside him, the community you know, other people, but that, that was the moment where things turned around for him was that desperate prayer. There's even a romance involved in this prayer, you know, with his wife and a connection there to this prayer, to this moment at the top of the rock. And so, you know, it was a desperate cry and God answered
0: that cry. I love that so much because in the world that we live in, I think there's so, so much emphasis on reaching the masses, if you will, right? Like building something and getting our name out there or, or, you know, like you said, being known for something or whatever, but I hear like, even in the nun that's in the story, right? This, this, this intentionality to pour in to the life of one person it makes me emotional just think about it, but to invest in the life of one person, because while that may not change things for the masses, it change it can have the potential to change everything for the one and how much God cares about the one in this whole, you know, with the donkeys and the sanctuary and the, I I would say the prevenient grace that that sanctuary was already there for him, you know, when he recognized it and all that, it's just a, it's, it's a beautiful way to illustrate how, how God does search for us relentlessly. Absolutely. God
1: hears our cries and answers us in ways that are very (laughs) surprising.
0: So tell me something along the way that surprised you, uh, surprised you about yourself or about the work, something you found you didn't expect anything like that happen.
1: Oh, continually, (laughs) you know, I start out with, with every book, with every story, uh, having an idea of what it's going to be, and then it becomes something else. It comes to life. Um, I think books are alive and they're in, you know, they're in our hearts and minds and in the hearts and minds of the reader. And that's what happened here. Um, I think what surprised me is that uh, when I went to Ireland in 2019, I went a couple of times to meet everyone, meet the donkeys, get to know Patrick as we work together. And just to be in that place and be in that sanctuary, which is just beautiful and what surprised me is that um, I intended to be able to have lots of conversations with Patrick because that's what you do when you're working on a story together. And it ended up most of the time being me talking to him and his family. And so they, uh, they I think the culture there is different than ours because Americans are very individualistic and we have community, but it's loose. And we limit um, the connections with our community uh, for many reasons. And in Ireland, uh, community and family and village life, it's everything. And so I would be sitting in his dad's kitchen, drinking tea, eating cookies, family all around. And it's a conversation between the whole family. And so the book is really a love letter, uh, not only to donkeys, not only to Ireland, but to this To this idea of family and community that never abandons you, no matter how hard you try to push them away.
0: (laughs) Uh You know, I want to ask a follow-up question on that because I know you said they reached out to you initially but it's a really big deal to be given the opportunity to tell someone else's story, especially when you're talking about something really deep, like personal healing and, and trauma and all that. And so what was that relationship like? Did you, did they just trust you immediately? Did, did you feel, did you feel like that needed to be earned or I, I don't know if I even have the right question, but what was, what's that yeah. like to be gifted with you get to write my feelings. It's
1: it's I think, I think of it as a sacred trust, mm. um, much as I almost feel like it's a pastoral role. Mm-hmm. And hear my heart on this: it's not, you know, pastoring a church for mm-hmm. sure. But there's Our pastors um, come in all
0: shapes and sizes <laughs> and have all jobs. Yeah, it's, the- <laughs> um,
1: it's 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 more than a friendship. It is almost more like being um, a sort of spiritual director or a. Mm-hmm. a spiritual friend if that makes sense and it's hard for me to explain it but there is a relationship of trust that happens because they are sharing their entire lives with you the whole you know their whole life doesn't go into the story but you know you're asking questions and they're opening their life to you and you in turn have to treat it with care you have to treat this relationship and the story that they're telling you with great care and they have to feel safe with you. So I guess using the concept sanctuary, you know, there is a sort of sanctuary feeling, um, that happens if, if, if this is, you know, if this is working and you're doing it right. And many, many times when I've worked with other people to tell their stories, um, There are, there are moments to talk about deep spiritual things. And I, I love those moments. Um, I feel, you know, kind of like the hair on my arms stand up, you know, when those moments happen, when those moments happen and the spirit is there and you're talking about things that are important uh, on a very deep level. And that, that's just a beautiful thing and a privilege for me as a writer. I've never gotten over that feeling of just, you know. I can't believe that I get to talk to these people about these important things and that they trust me. And, um, we get to talk about anything. I love that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I love that. You love that because that, I mean that, because that just means that you have a great respect for, uh, I get to be almost like just the carrier, the messenger of someone else's message, but then, but, but your heart's in it too. And I just think, I think that's a beautiful partnership. Did, do you, do you have like a, I know the the title is sanctuary. And so I know probably part of the theme is, you know, safe space for feelings and healings and and finding your purpose and some of those things. But if there, if there's a theme, like a major theme of encouragement or uh, something like that, what would you say that the hope in it is? How would you describe that?
1: I I mean, you just said the word, I think that there's hope. Mm. Uh, You know, Patrick has called himself a messer, Uh, which we don't really use that word here, but it's such a perfect word, you know, for someone who has made a lot of mistakes in their lives. And no one is beyond redemption. No one is outside, um, you know, that circle of God's grace and forgiveness. Um, He can give us a new heart and spirit. And that's what happened with Patrick. Um, And when Patrick explains kind of, you know, God entering his life and changing him, he said, God gave me new eyes, you know, now I know I'm made in the image of God. So it's a completely different perspective. Mm. And um, that's such a beautiful thing to be a part of and to get to tell that, that story. So I think hope. Yeah, there is always hope.
0: Did Patrick know, did he have a relationship with God before the, the experience that you were talking about? Um, so he was, he, he was a new believer uh, after the war, or did, did he just come into a, a renewed, deeper understanding? Yeah. I mean, pre- most of is Ireland, that, is that not, a spoiler? That's not a spoiler, right? No. Okay, no, good. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, most of
1: Ireland, not counting Northern Ireland, which is part of, you know, the UK, um, most of Ireland is Catholic. You know, you have a church right in the middle of your town. You, you know, you are christened there, you, you know, baptized there, you go, you know, to school there, catechism. Uh, you're confirmed there. Uh, all of the major events of your life take place around that church, and so it's a very important part of your identity. But it depends on you as a person sure. how much you know. You're going to reach out and connect with God, and what you want to learn, and how you're going to apply that in your life. Um, I got to go to church there several times um, with Patrick's family. It's a beautiful experience. Their faith is very strong. Um, and so he had all of that background, but he saw God as an angry judge. And every time he made a mistake that God was going to slam him and that he was probably going to go to hell and he could never, ever please this God. And so that was his vision of God. He was frightened of that God as a child. And so, you know, I think his faith kind of went into hibernation and just never really grew until he really, really, really needed God and kind of, you know,
0: turned back around and asked for help. I think that's such a wonderful experience to document though. I think so many people can relate to that where I know of God, but then something happened to my life. And then I came to a place where I knew God and that's very, those are very different experiences. Absolutely. And I
1: think being around Marie, this, you know, Mm -hmm. nun that I mentioned, very tough Irish nun with a heart of gold, uh, and just feeling that love, you know, God's love coming through her to him, uh, her seeing him for who he really was, and knowing that there was hope, he could just feel it in her sense that in her, and she reached out to him. And so it was really being around somebody who was full of God's love and light that
0: he could, you know, feel that sense of hope again and reach out himself. And I hear a calling in that to each of us, because we can be that to other people when we allow ourselves to be a reflection of God's love and light, as you said, so well. Yeah. Yeah. So paying ha- attention, Yeah. Yes, paying attention yes. to others. Yes. And, and seeing them and them. Them. not looking away from the yes. messers. Yep. I love that. I love that word. Yeah. Because there's a, there is a created in his image person inside all of our messers because we <laughs> we're all there at some point. Absolutely. Yeah. So I have to ask maybe like a sort of silly question, but did you see, uh, did you see spiritual truths as you learned about donkeys? I think I know the answer to this, but what did you, what did you learn? Maybe (laughs) (laughs) what did you learn about God? Yeah. In, in watching and learning about the donkeys. Yeah.
1: Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I'm I'm a huge animal lover. My daughter uh, works in wildlife rehabilitation with Mm -hmm. injured and orphan wildlife at our property here in the mountains in California. We have a barn full of these animals. She works for a local nonprofit and animals have just been a part of my life forever. And so just seeing God's sense of humor, God's care, um, you know, I mean, there's a scripture in Psalms that says God knows every bird in the mountains, he, you know, this is his creation and he, his part of who he is comes through uh, when we, you know, enjoy animals and appreciate them and care for them. And so I just was impressed by how this family took care of donkeys, which are kind of a lowly creature that people have made fun of. Mm -hmm. And it was really fun too going back through the Bible and looking at the stories of donkeys. So not only Balaam's donkey who spoke, and we have, you know, something about that in the book, but also that Christ rode on a donkey, you know, at Palm Sunday, and he wasn't on a big fiery stallion with, right. you know, an arched neck and a beautiful flowing maiden until he was on a lowly little young donkey. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's an old Irish legend that the cross on the donkey's back, because there's like a stripe that looks like a cross, came from the reflection of Christ's mm. cross that day. And it's just a beautiful story uh about an animal that they consider sacred because it
0: carried the lord wow wow you mentioned this passage in in psalms uh is there a scripture or a passage or a verse that either maybe it's just really important to you or something that was really important to you for this project anything come to mind like that
1: uh the story of the prodigal son is all through this book we don't okay. really mention it a lot but this is a prodigal son story and, um, you know, the prodigal son has to decide to go home and the father has to decide to accept him with joy. And so that was really, you know, kind of the guiding passage, uh, from the Bible for this book. For me. I
0: love that has to decide to go home. You know, as many times as I have studied, uh, even preached on been preached to on, if that's right, on Luke 15 and that story of the prodigal son, I do not think that I've ever heard it presented the same way twice. There are so many details, feelings, experiences, people, uh, you can walk around that story a gazillion ways and it's the same story, but it, man, it just continues to teach me.
1: Yeah. And it's, I, you know, one thing that was, I was impressed by in that story in relation to sanctuary is that it is not easy to go home. No. When you have been a broken person and you have broken relationships and caused havoc, you know, in a community and you have this reputation and you have to go home and Mm. face it, it is, it's one of the hardest things to do. And so I think, you know, we need to kind of see prodigals who do make efforts to come home uh, as full of tremendous courage, you know, desperation, but also courage to face all of that. And I feel like that with the, you know, the story of the prodigal son in the Bible and how the older brother reacted was a great, great
0: illustration.
1: of Yes, that.
0: yes, it is a great real um, illustration. I think often of the older brother who also squanders his inheritance. We talk about that a lot in this community because, you know, the father says everything I have is yours. And our father says that to us as well. But because we're not receiving it, we complain, we don't have it. I think so often, you know, and really the father is saying, no, uh, I'm not withholding anything from you, but you're striving to produce. I mean, I'm talking to myself right now. You're striving Mm -hmm. to produce, you're striving to uh, attain something or to prove your worth or something. And the reality is, is you're in the sanctuary. (laughs) You just don't experience the sanctuary because you're focused on something other than me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's a hard story. It's a hard story. We (laughs) can just sit right there. (laughs) This has been so great to learn about your work and to learn about this book. I just think it's fantastic. Before I let you go, I always ask my guests this question. Would you let us peek into your life just a little bit? What are you doing right now? Reading, listening to, watching, studying, anything goes uh, that's keeping you connected, inspired, offering you hope, anything like that.
1: Oh, I love that question. Uh, I came came upon a uh, Catholic, an ex-Catholic priest. He's now not living anymore, but he died kind of young. His name is John O'Donohue, and he uh, wrote a book of blessings that I love. He was a poet, and so there's something about poetry, blessings, prayer, kind of told through the lens of celtic spirituality and irish you know have been christians they think since the two or three hundreds i mean christianity came very very early to ireland and they incorporated their tradition of storytelling and music and arts and myth making to tell the story of jesus and to express their faith and so i've been reading uh these poems by him and just you know loving that, loving that. Sometimes poetry can express the deep things of the heart. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the other thing I'm doing is working on my thesis. I'm in seminary, writing my master's thesis. Uh, It's a master's in New Testament. I graduate in June. And um, the topic is books are alive, a theology of writing. Mm. And so the idea of books, you know, coming to life of the Spirit you know, working with us, a collaboration there and how all that works out. That's what I'm working on right now.
0: I think that's fantastic. I think that's wonderful. Are you a poet? Do you write poetry also?
1: I've written a bit of poetry. I don't think I'm a gifted one, but I love to read it. And I feel like poets are the best writers and they're often kind of the oddballs of the writing world. <laughs> and I just love them and
0: want to encourage that. I love that. I love that. Susie's book is Sanctuary and you can find it wherever books are sold. And you can find Susie at susieflory.com. And I will link that and her her everything memoir, Facebook group, and all the places to find and follow Susie in today's show notes. And Susie, I cannot thank you enough for your time. Thank you for uh, your commitment to writing this beautiful project. And thank you for spending just a little bit of time with us today. Thanks Angie. It's been such a blessing and friend. Thank you for listening until next time. Peace. Thank you, Susie, for giving four years to this project that we might know something more about God and see him a little more in our stories than we did before. All the places to find and follow Susie are in today's show notes. And if you happen to be someone interested in writing down the stories of your life, please check out Susie's free Facebook group, Everything Memoir. The link for that is in the show notes as well. Exodus 25, 8, again, this time from the message, Let them construct a sanctuary for me so that I can live among them. Friends, Susie has blessed us with a giveaway. She is offering a copy of her book, Sanctuary, along with a beautiful map of Ireland to one podcast listener. If you are interested in entering yourself for a chance to win, simply send an email between May 3rd and May 12th, 2022 to steadyonpodcast at gmail.com. I will draw one winner and I will email that winner back at that email address if you are selected. So good luck. Next week, I will welcome Brad Hambrick to the show. Brad sat down with me a while back to talk about navigating the road to forgiveness. Forgiveness is a tangly topic and there's a lot of layers to it, which is why I think we tend to talk about it on the surface level and avoid talking about it too much on a personal level. I really appreciated Brad's perspective and his encouragement around forgiveness being a journey instead of a one and done. If you haven't yet, I'd be so grateful if you would follow the podcast on whatever directory you're used to listening to. It only takes a second and it guarantees you'll see new episodes as soon as they drop. Thank you so much for listening. I pray wherever your day takes you, you are walking in the confident knowledge that you are a beloved, cherished child of God. Peace.